0: Hi, this is Hope. This is Chris. Hi, this is Katie from
1: Washington D.C. and you're listening to
0: No M- Meat F- Radio. Welcome back, Matt. Thanks, Doug. It's fun to be back. I'm, I bet it is, but you know, I have a little bone to pick with you. I don't know if I can use that okay. term here. No. <laughs> um. You know i was i was excited and, and ready to listen to your recap with aaron and the first thing you do is make fun of my new favorite activity
1: <laughs> yeah i didn't have much fun doing it stand, stand up paddleboarding is what we're referring to um but i i think i wasn't doing the real thing i really think what i was doing was kind of like a kayak and it was much thicker when you do wait, are you talking about a thin board like a surfboard
0: yeah, more or less. A little bit bigger than a surfboard, but yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It remains then. It doesn't look anything like a kayak, I'll tell you that much. Okay. This kind of did. So I think it wasn't maneuverable. I think it wasn't challenging. Uh, it was just kind of stand up, you know, built for people at the beach who are, ah. who are not not serious like you are. <laughs> well, I'm going
0: to have to get you out there at least one more time before yeah, you can make it. I will it...
1: give it one more try. All right. But we had a wonderful time. Italy was amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be back in a way, but, but very very much missing being there because we really did have a great time. I'm sure. I'm sure it sounded great. Yeah. So uh, today we're talking about a topic that we probably should have talked about a long time ago in episode one of No Athlete Radio. <laughs> should have been answering the question, where do you get your protein? Uh, but it's one of those things that's so, I don't know, I guess being involved in this we we forget and we get so tired of talking about that because we hear it all the time uh but we forget that, that that is an important question and it's a joke among vegans how often you get that question but uh it is an important one it's it's the major barrier the major objection for a lot of people so uh we figured it was time to dive in and figure out where do we get our protein
0: yeah you know this is something that i think i or i know i did and i think most people do when they first go vegetarian there they are concerned about it because that's, again, what everyone asks. So, you know, I was I was much more concerned about having a separate protein with every dish and every meal than I am now because I thought that I wasn't able to get the protein that I needed from traditional plant-based
1: foods. Right. And that's that's the, the – it is a misconception. That's the misconception that uh, pretty much everybody has. I had the exact same problem when I started out, when I was first considering going vegetarian and – for me, it was also calories. It wasn't. I wasn't just hung up on protein. I was more hung up on how do I get enough calories. And I think the reason is because I, it, during this Boston qualifying journey that I had been on at this point for I don't know, it's probably been five years now. Uh, when I was thinking about these things, uh, I had read Chris Carmichael's book, which was called "Eat Right to Train Right" or "Food for Fitness." I think one of those was the title, and one is the subtitle. Uh, but in there, he's he's writing for general endurance athletes, not not vegetarians or vegans or anything. Uh, he recommends that sixty-five percent of your calories come from carbohydrate, and only twelve to fifteen percent come from protein. So, and then the rest fat, of course. So, I was, I think, because I was already trying to eat that way. Um, I had this idea that that when I went vegetarian, that it maybe wouldn't be that hard to keep getting that amount of protein because that that is a smaller amount than I think most people think they should be getting.
0: Yeah, definitely twelve percent. Is that what you said?
1: In the, I think he recommends exactly twelve percent. He might it might be twelve to fifteen percent that range, but when people talk about how much protein they need, you hear a lot of you hear this stuff. Uh, this you need a gram of protein per pound of body weight every single day. You hear that number thrown out there a lot. Um, when in fact, if you look at the, the US, what is it, the USDA's um, their guidelines, it's it's not nearly that much. It's it's uh, I think they say it's your weight in pounds divided by 2.2 to give you your weight in kilograms, and then you multiply that by 0.8. So essentially, it's it ends up being about a little more than a third of a gram per pro, of protein per pound of body weight per day. So mm. if you're 150 pounds, then you're looking at a little bit over 50 grams of protein per day, uh, which is really not very much. I mean, it's, it doesn't take eating three or four lean chicken breasts to get that much protein, mm. which I think is a lot, a lot of people like that. If you come from kind of a fitness background – that's what you were supposed to do and and maybe even more than that I, I was doing it five or six times a day when I was trying to gain weight Wow yeah so i, I think that is the first um big problem is is that people think we need it way more than we actually do uh, right. and there, I mean a variety of things cause this you can get into the the uh, political stuff and certainly money is probably a big part of it uh it's also I don't know our the culture in in our in our society seems to shift the blame from one macronutrient to another and we've gone through carbohydrate and fat and now protein is the what's left is, as the the one that hasn't been attacked that much yet <laughs> uh, although now it kind of is beginning to be attacked by people like us and by the plant-based crowd
0: yeah yeah no but I think I think're you're, you're dead on the first thing I say when someone asks me where I get my protein is is I you know I bring that up I say, well, really, we don't need nearly as much as, as you think you do. So it's a lot easier to get that protein than than you would assume.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think the reason that the where do you get your protein question indoors is because there's not really a quick, simple answer to it, right? Like if there was an exact, easy answer, it was, oh, I just eat this food all day long and that's how I get my protein. But, but there's not really an answer like that. It's more complicated than that. Uh, for me, it's two parts. The first part is we don't need nearly as much as people think we need and, and even that, I mean, as soon as you say that, people, people start to kind of question that. And they'll say, well, where, you know, why, why is that? And then the explanation gets long. And then it's, it's hard to convince someone of that. Um, and then the second part, of course, is that protein is in everything. And that's – people, people have, of course, have the, the misconception that it's only in meat or only in dairy products. Uh, and it's true that those are very efficient sources of protein, meaning lots of protein uh, per calorie – even though some of them are also very high in fat so they're not entirely protein uh but but it's in everything and and especially if you're eating a diet that's based on whole foods then you're going to be getting protein in every bite of food you're taking uh even if it's fruit even if it's vegetables protein is in there and that's another argument for whole foods uh i'm not not this isn't the episode to try to convince people not to eat oil but one one reason one i guess uh Argument for why oil is a processed food is because oil is, you know, it used to be in something else, in a food that had protein and carbohydrate in it in some small amount. But once the oil is extracted and you eat just oil, then you're eating something that is only fat, that actually truly is devoid of protein. So if, if I, you know, if protein makes up 10% of, of most food, um, then if you're eating those whole foods, you can just eat whatever you want and you're going to be getting 10% of your calories from protein. Right. But if instead, 20 percent of your calories are coming from oil uh, something that has zero protein in it then suddenly that's kind of out the window that that argument so now you've got to you've got to adjust and you've got to get more protein in your other foods to make up for this the calories you're taking in that have zero protein in them uh if that makes sense yep absolutely so yeah so uh, you know that's that's really the argument that that's about as as much as i have and we'll go in of course two examples and things in this episode um of what what the foods are that we actually eat but but really that's what it is you don't need as much as people think you don't need a gram of protein per pound of body weight per day or anything close to that uh and it's not just in meat and dairy it's in everything and luckily the way it works pretty well is that you can eat whole plant-based foods and get that lower amount of protein than most people think you need which is actually what you actually do need and you're fine
0: yeah what I was surprised to to learn after going vegetarian was that that there are a lot of like leafy greens and other vegetables that are actually higher in protein per calorie than than a lot of meat is you know of course they're much lower in calories, so you have to eat a lot more to get that much
1: protein. yeah i i think I think that's sort of useful. I, that is a nice, useful response to when someone sort of challenges and says, "Where do you get your protein?" Right, if, and they think protein only in meat. And you can tell them that by per calorie, broccoli is fifty percent protein, or whatever the amount is. I don't know what it is, but it's some huge amount, higher than meat even. Yeah. Uh, by a lot. And uh, yeah, and exactly, that's that's right. It's not really a practical way of getting protein uh, because of caloric density. That that the, the broccoli it does not pack many calories into a pound or a given amount of volume of that broccoli. So you couldn't really live off of broccoli, but but if you were to try to live off of broccoli, then you'd be getting fifty percent of your calories from protein and protein would not be your problem.
0: Right. But it it's a good way to, to demonstrate to someone that that protein is not just in red meat or, or yeah, chicken.
1: Absolutely. And one of my favorite examples I use this during my book tour talk, is uh, whole wheat pasta. Because yeah. we've always thought of we always think about whole wheat pasta as being or just pasta in general as being the carbohydrate food, the food that you use for carbo-loading and the food that you have to limit because it's a carb and you can't have too much of it. Um, But I mentioned Chris Carmichael and I mentioned the 12% of calories from protein number that he suggests. Most um, whole wheat pasta boxes that I look at, if you add up the the amount of protein, multiply those grams by four to get the number of calories of protein, and then divide by the number of calories in that, that serving or that box or whatever amount you're using, you find that the, the whole wheat pasta is 15% protein. So the, the joke on that I gave in that talk was that if you ate nothing but whole wheat pasta, you would have plenty of problems going on. Um, but protein <laughs> protein would not be a problem. You'd be fine. I mean you'd get enough protein. Right, right. So, and, and that then I guess leads into the discussion of yes, you'd be getting enough total protein but you're only getting it from one source which means you're not getting the right amino acid mix. You're only getting the amino acids that are in the whole wheat rather than a complete essential amino acid profile.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's talk about that. What's the difference yeah. between complete and incomplete proteins?
1: Okay, so most people know this. Um, the, there are this these essential a- proteins made up of amino acids, and nine of them our bodies can't produce on their own, so these nine are called the essential amino acids. Mm-hmm. So when we think of a complete protein food, it's one that has all of those nine amino acids, and all those nine essential amino acids, and it has them usually in in the right proportions that that we need them in. That that's generally what's considered a complete protein food. Um, there aren't all that many foods that are totally complete proteins, but a lot of times you get pro, you get combining. So there was this idea, I think it was called Diet for a Small Planet, this book that came out in the 70s that popularized the idea that we should be combining our proteins within a meal so that we're getting all those amino acids. And uh you know therefore it won't become deficient in any one of them uh, but we've had we've had more and more research and learned more since then and it seems that that actually doesn't matter at all and in fact, the author of that book came out um, I don't know when but a few years later and kind of issued according to Matt Rossigno, who wrote this in our book um basically just kind of admitted that, that she had gotten that wrong and that, that in fact we don't actually need to do that because our bodies pull the the amino acids from one meal to the next and I think over a, a day or two period and can basically combine them not in your stomach but can combine the, the amino acids in your body even if you're eating them in different meals so there's not a need to eat all the m- amino acids in every single meal right uh, a lot of people do get hung up on that what's really interesting though and this is this is sort of a new thing and by the way I should mention that that's not set in stone like there's still argument about that right so it came out it was this it was everyone then assumed in through the 70s and 80s that you needed to have these combined proteins to get all the essential amino acids in your meals um then it sort of came out that that wasn't so important uh matt racigno still seems to be on a crusade to convince people that you do not need to combine your proteins within meals but i've seen recently in some sports nutrition books that are modern and and clearly based on a lot of science that actually do recommend that you still do that so i'm kind of in the dark there i'm not totally convinced uh i i like matt and no matt and tend to trust what he what he suggests so i'm kind of still in the in the you know i, I just don't think about food in that way i don't think i don't think our ancestors were, were thinking about their amino acids in every single meal uh so i don't think we need to be doing that either uh but what's really interesting is i've mentioned dr Furman a few times and in his book eat to live i read this idea i think it was to live it could have been super immunity Um, but there's something called insulin like growth factor one that is used for growth reproduction and it's it's a good thing to have in your body but once you are past reproductive age it actually speeds the aging process and has some links to certain cancers Um, so what Furman says and I will link to this because this is also in an article online newsletter that we can link to in the show notes here Uh, what he says is that it's it's First of all, animal protein clearly increases the uh, amount of IGF-1, this insulin-like growth factor 1, in your body. So so that's kind of one of his arguments for reducing animal products. We're not having any animal protein at all. But what he kind of suggests by some of the studies he cites is that – and by the way, this is also – people a lot of times make the argument against a plant-based diet by saying that um, animal proteins themselves are more complete. So – what Furman is put saying in this article is basically that it might be the completeness of the proteins that is, in fact, what's boosting the IGF-1 levels and therefore is the problem. So then it becomes a question of should we actually even be trying to get complete proteins uh, like like it's sort of assumed that we absolutely need to do? Um, it, it almost sounds like he's, he's saying maybe we shouldn't be thinking about that so much. And where he says it is a problem, he says, like, soy is the most complete of plant proteins, the most single – if you just want to take one food's protein, uh, I guess, you know, of a common food, it seems to have, it has the most complete amino acid profile, the closest to animal protein, and he says you get into trouble when you take soy in this, this complete amino acid profile, and you isolate the protein from it, and then you put that into a protein powder, and you get 40 grams of it in a smoothie. He said that's, that becomes a problem. He said that's just as bad as eating animal protein, at least for, for the purposes of this one discussion, this IGF-1 issue. Uh, so I don't know that, that has kind of really turned me off of um, protein powders in general because I don't know I just I just think it's not a good idea it, it just makes sense that, that it doesn't it's not a good thing to to pull the protein out of a food and then isolate it and and then make that you know dump that into a smoothie uh, it just it just doesn't make sense to me
0: so how about so is it arguing against is he arguing against getting complete from multiple different foods. Or just when it's complete in a single food, then that's what's causing the problem?
1: I don't think it matters whether it's in a single food or or different foods. Okay. Um. I, I think, and I was kind of unclear on this for a while, and I was wondering, like, should we actually try to not get complete proteins yeah, in our meals right. and in our, in our bodies? That's not what it is. What he's saying is that it's not a good thing when you can create a complete protein and then isolate it into a powder or so or, Take okay. away everything else around it because that's what we're doing with soy protein. Right. Um, so I, I don't know this for sure because he doesn't make this clear in his articles. But if you were to take rice, pea, and hemp protein, which do make a complete protein, um, and they're isolated, and you can then easily stick thirty grams of that into your smoothie, uh, I think I think that's I think he would say that's just as bad. I don't think it matters where what particular food is coming from. I think the the issue is can you actually reduce it so that you can then take in a tremendous amount of it at once. Um, that's the problem. So he's he's not saying anything that's wrong with, say, like eating tofu or anything like that. He's not saying soy is a bad food at all, but he's saying when you can isolate it and then get tons of it at once, that's a bad thing. So I would say if you're going to be taking protein isolates, I think it might not be a bad idea to only get it from one source. Only use hemp, uh, maybe, or only use rice or only use pea. You know, I wouldn't try to get a single complete protein isolated source in your smoothie if you're going to be doing the protein thing, protein powder thing, I should say. Interesting. So anyway, that's something – it's only – it's kind of new to me, uh, but we will link to this article and I will let readers decide – or listeners decide for themselves what to do about that um, because I don't know. I'm still thinking about it and just wondering what sort of implications there are. And if we ever have Ferment on the podcast, which I do hope that we will someday, um, I would love to talk to him about this topic.
0: Yeah. Are you doing any sort of protein powders at all anymore?
1: No. I actually haven't done protein powder in uh, – two years now. I was training for my 100 miler in 2013 and putting in more miles than I had really ever run before and ran out of protein powder one day. I had kind of gravitated just towards more and more whole foods during that, that training program, which was interesting that that happened. I didn't find myself craving uh, junk or sports drinks or anything. It just I just started getting more and more raw nuts and seeds and fruits and vegetables and eating that. So when I ran out of protein powder, I was like, eh, I'm just not going to buy more for a little while. And then a month later i realized i still hadn't bought more and nothing had happened and i was still running <laughs> i had healed over anything and uh just kept going from there and now it's been 2 years and i haven't haven't had it again so i don't i don't know i mean i'm not against protein powder. i don't think it's a bad thing i just found that i didn't really need it needed it anymore and uh i think i think it's good for convenience can can be helpful for some people but yeah. i just don't think it's uh i don't think it's 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 necessary i think it's a good tool especially if you're kind of apprehensive about starting out a diet like this which i totally understand uh, I could see why you'd want to take it to kind of, you know, um, assuage some of those concerns. Do you, you take pretty batter right, a little bit?
0: No, I actually haven't since college. Or, I mean, or not regularly, anyway.
1: Oh, is that right? Okay, I don't yeah. know. Why I thought you did.
0: No, I. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't even have any in the house, and I haven't for a couple years probably. Um, but in college, I did. You know, in college, I thought that I needed it, and if I wanted to bulk up, even though I wasn't a gym guy really, but I just thought that that was what men mm-hmm. my age should do um
1: but you don't have any in your house huh
0: no don't even have any in the
1: house are you offended if like a, a guest brings over a jug of protein powder to your <laughs> we're, house
0: we're a protein powder free house <laughs> wow <interesting>. okay <laughs> no 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 not at all and and you know and if uh if someone was making a smoothie if i was over at somebody's house and they're making a smoothie and and adding oh, it in, be horrified right no i would absolutely take it i would i would take it no i'd enjoy it <laughs>
1: You know, just do the best for the protein for the for the non protein powder movement try not to offend anybody exactly
0: Yep. you know I might I might i might just mention you know next time you should probably leave <laughs> this out <laughs> yep no. Yeah, yeah. no 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 i uh i don't know i have no idea why I never really got into it but you know yeah. I, in general with supplements and and powders and all that stuff i just uh that hasn't really been my thing i've I've recently started taking vitamins um which is good i think but you know?
1: I don't know why. I just never have really been into that stuff. So Ultra Marathon champion Doug Hay says he does not take protein powder on a vegan diet. That's right.
0: Protein free vegan diet. Nice. One hundred nice. mile champion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So let's uh enough of this science stuff. Let's talk about where we actually get protein. What are you, what are your if not protein powder, Doug, where are your where are your protein sources? What are your protein sources? What are your favorite foods for it? <coughs> Excuse
0: me. Um, yeah, I think we do eat. We do make sure that uh, we're eating protein, of course. I think beans and quinoa are probably our two top favorite choices uh, in this household. So we have beans on on salad. We have beans in pasta. We have beans on pizza. You know, lots of beans, and then quinoa as a as. You know accompanying a a vegetable dish or something like that so i think beans and quinoa are probably my go-to favorite uh, protein sources
1: okay beans and quinoa um i would say for us it's probably more spread out than that i don't eat much quinoa i don't know why i've just never really liked it all that much we definitely eat a ton of beans pretty much every almost every single lunch and dinner has some sort of bean in it um but I mentioned whole grains before, like like pasta. Mm-hmm. We, we eat a good amount of whole wheat, whole wheat pasta dishes with the kids, especially. That's a favorite for them. True. Uh, we'll make pizzas now and then with with whole wheat flour. And mm-hmm. uh, grains are, are a reasonable source for us. We, we get a decent amount of the protein that we do get from grains. And um, nuts, of course. I try to get nuts every single day in some, yeah. some quantities. It's hard to make those a primary protein source just because... They do have a lot of fat in them, so right. if you were to try to get—I uh, don't, I don't know the exact breakdown of any nuts—but if you were to actually try to get all your protein from nuts, you'd be getting a tremendous amount of fat as well, and probably have a pretty low amount of carbohydrate. Uh, so that wouldn't work in all that well. But we do add nuts and seeds to our smoothies sometimes: chia seeds, sometimes pumpkin seeds, uh, flax seeds, and one—oh, walnuts. So uh, it, you know, nuts and seeds are, are another one. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned vegetables and things like that before. Like I, I kind of. In the old days, it used to be what I would try to do at first. I said, I'm going to try to always have a protein food in every single meal that I eat. So when I was a brand new vegetarian, I would make sure that every time I made pasta, I put beans in there. Uh, Every time I had a bagel, I would put almond butter on it. Every time I had a salad, I would either put beans on it or tofu on it or nuts on it. Anything that I ate, I was making sure that I added something that I considered a protein food on it. Uh, but I don't really do that anymore I've kind of even gotten away from that and because you mentioned the vegetables thing so if I eat a giant salad for lunch um, I don't have to worry about how much protein I'm getting there I have to worry about how much calories I'm getting there right because right? a giant salad like we said is not gonna it's gonna fill you up but it's not gonna pack that many calories so that's great for trying to lose weight not that great for trying to maintain weight or keep it on or support uh, training for any kind of long distance running so so yeah you got to worry about making sure you're getting enough calories but Protein in particular isn't isn't any more a concern than than fat or carbohydrate is. I guess fat is not a concern if you're putting on a, a regular salad dressing with oil on it, um, but you know it, it, if you're if it's a salad that you're eating, it's not that that food is low in protein. It's just low in all calories. But protein is probably actually pretty high in per right. calorie.
0: But but to to help, so for example, you know we you know we eat a lot of large salads for lunch, uh, and we normally, or I normally load that down with with a handful of, of Seeds or, or some sort of nut or something like that, just for the calories. Uh, you know, of yeah. course, I'm getting the protein as well, but that part of that is just to increase the calories.
1: Yeah, and I do the exact same thing usually with uh, like a half a can of chickpeas or other kind of beans. Yep, uh, I'll put that on the salad, and usually I will use a nut based dressing, so tahini often uh, to get the the fats, but also the protein and the other stuff, and really just to make it make it a substantial, make it a meal. Um, so yeah, same thing, same thing as you there. Not really thinking about protein, but getting it in the process. Sure and and i should I should
0: mention since we've talked about protein powders and smoothies and stuff that i I do almost always add uh, either nuts and seeds or nut butter so almond butter or something like that to my smoothie, so you know while it's not a protein powder, I'm definitely adding some protein into the smoothie,
1: yeah, and we're doing the exact same thing with the with the whole nuts and seeds, yep um, and I think that's the way to do it. I think just you just eat whole foods, and I think when you're new, like I said at first, start out with protein powder if that helps you and gives you the reassurance that you need to stick with this with this. And then I think the next stage is sort of not relying on protein powder but making sure that you have these protein foods and you're, you know, you're putting tons of nuts in your smoothie and you're putting tons of almond butter on everything and you're putting tons of beans in the salad. And it's just another step of, of like – it's not protein powder anymore but it's still is providing you with this reassurance. And then I think once you get used to that and, and you're comfortable and you learn more and more about this, you can kind of even get away from that and just – kind of have the attitude that we are taking now which is like you know that it's in the vegetables that you're eating and, and the grains you're eating and the quinoa and everything and it's just I don't know it's, whole foods have protein in them and honestly I, I don't care I don't I don't pay attention to protein any more or less than I pay attention to carbohydrate or fats. I just I just eat whole and real foods and it, it seems to be working out fine great
0: so I think we'd be remiss not to not to bring up tofu and, and tempeh since they are such popular Sources of That's protein a good point. for a lot of yeah. people. What do you? What are your thoughts on on those two?
1: Uh, I think they're fine. I think they are. To me, they are minimally processed soy products. I like we said, isolates aren't good. Um, the almost all the fake meat stuff you'll find. well, I shouldn't say that. That's not fair. Not almost all, but previously it used to be that when you bought fake meat or meat substitutes, that they were based on um, you know TVP or other soy. Isolates are very processed soy stuff, yeah. and that, I think that's a bad thing. Just mainly because it's not a, not a processed or not a whole food. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that was particularly bad because it was not a processed food, and also it was soy. Uh, I tend to think that that's not that big a deal. Uh, but no, I don't think that minimally processed processed soy is a problem at all. In fact, I think I think soy is a very very helpful food. I think a lot of the controversy around it is overblown and we've mentioned leo's post that was a long time ago but we did mention leo's post in here called uh the truth or finally the truth about soy it's zenhabits.net slash soy and he really went into some some depth and kind of traced all the anti-soy rhetoric back to a single one source or two where it was all coming out of Mm -hmm. um widely read sources of course that that were popular i think it was the uh, i'm blanking on the name Uh, i'll look it up while i'm talking but Anyway, just sort of determined that, that it all kind of came from this one place and people kind of seemed eager to uh, to grasp Embrace the idea it. that, yeah, and, and share it and, you know, create a controversy out of it. Uh, I, I really don't, uh, it, it's a food that in Eastern cultures has been a staple of the diet for a long, long time uh, of people who, who nowadays are, are way healthier than we are. Oh, it's the Weston A. Price Foundation. I'm sorry. That was the uh, the one that Leo traced almost all the soy stuff back to, the anti-soy stuff. Anyway, very good article there. Um. You know, I don't know. It, it's a controversial food. There's no doubt about it. And my take with controversial foods is basically that I try to not uh, not go all the way or, you know, in either direction with them. So while I really enjoy tofu and tempeh, I would say I eat those less than I do other beans because I'm just – it's controversial. So I don't know what, who's right and who's wrong. So maybe I'll eat those. Maybe, maybe once a week I'll have a soy product. Probably not even. Probably once every two weeks I'll do a tempeh or, or tofu dish. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I don't even think about it. I mean, I think it's, I think they're wonderful, but I just I wouldn't want to be doing that every single day. Similarly, I wouldn't want to eat black beans every single day. I don't want to <laughs> eat the same food every single day, you know? Right. Uh, so I I don't know. I not think not I think because great. the
0: black beans are bad for you, because you don't want to eat the same taste, the f- same flavors every day, right?
1: Yeah, and I, but I also I do think variety and diets is a sure. good thing, and I wouldn't want to have one single food being in every meal or every day. So um, that that's where I'm on it. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a, a big a big issue at all. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah,
0: you know, I kind of feel the same way. I like everything. It seems like tofu and tempeh are probably things that you probably shouldn't eat all the time. But we we definitely eat them. You know, we have uh, we pretty much always have a thing of tofu and a thing of tempeh in the in the refrigerator, um, ready to use. When when we do, I'd say once or, once or twice a week, we'll uh, make a make a dish. I you know, I'm a big fan of tempeh these days, so. Um, we tend like to, we tend to use more tempeh than we do tofu. But
1: Yeah, and no doubt they're they're really good protein sources cuz they are one of the higher protein or soy is one of the highest protein beans there is. Uh so they they are a very good way to get the protein. How about seitan on that same note? Uh which is all week, wheat gluten. Yeah. And that's what a lot of uh the the newer sort of the next generation of fake meat meat products are made out of. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they're I think they taste better for sure. Um Yeah, I you know. know, you know it does it certainly packs a lot of protein more than soy even i think per per calorie and per per weight uh-huh
0: yeah I, you know i like the i like the taste i like the taste of the you know like the, there's a, the no evil foods um fake meat here yep, in ashville local ashville company. company that that is is seitan uh based and and i love the way it tastes uh, you know they do a really nice job um i haven't had much luck cooking just regular seitan when you buy a box of seitan uh-huh um I, you know, I don't know. I haven't been able to get the flavors right or something like that. So, you know, I rarely do that, but, but you know, I, I really don't know much about
1: it other than that it tastes pretty good when, when it's done right. Yeah, it it really does. I think it, aside from health, it, it just seems to make a better fake meat product. The hot dogs I've had with it uh-huh. uh, are always really good. And I actually have cooked with it at home and had some success. It's interesting. And you can't really, as soon as you try to cook it in a pan or something or on a grill, it, it kind of blackens right away. Right. Um but I've made a few recipes from from Isa Chandra Moskowitz's book. I think it was called Isa Does It. There are mm-hmm. a few good seitan dishes in there. We've had some success with it. Um, but I, I really like it. I think it's a, I think it's a very good meat substitute. Leo was actually I think he remember when he did that thing where he was eating <laughs> only like three foods. Yeah. It sounded like the worst challenge uh-huh. ever. He was eating seitan with no seasoning whatsoever and oil. I don't oil and, and broccoli or something. Bro- yeah, like three things. That was all he was eating. He determined that that was enough and was just kind of testing himself um where was i going to go with that other than that it sounds terrible that,
0: that he was eating satan <laughs> that he thought it was good
1: oh yeah so i talked about it and i said i said what do you think about that like a health benefit thing and he's he showed me actually that you can make it at home very easily and it's not that much more processed than than like wheat flour is i guess i guess the the gluten is removed from the the other part of the flour and i don't know how any of that stuff works but it seemed like it was not not a, not a major. When you hear something's made of wheat gluten, that sounds mm-hmm. like the most processed thing in the world to me. Right. But apparently, it's it's a process that's not really a huge, difficult thing to do. Um, so he, you know, he he was kind of arguing that it was actually a very healthy source hmm. of protein. And I, there's gluten is a whole different controversy. But without even going there, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. Again, it comes down to Whole Foods, and I don't think that is quite whole. So I just wouldn't want that to be the, the staple of my diet or the primary protein source. Uh, but if you don't have gluten issues, I think now and then to have a seitan dish, it's it's really a nice way to mix things up. And uh, in my experience, has has done the best job of recreating meat dishes. Like I think at Plant in Asheville, there's a couple oh, seitan yeah. dishes on the menu. That, they, they, and I'm not trying to say this is healthy at all, but they they do some sort of breading and they make like a chicken fried seitan dish yeah. or something, and it's delicious. I mean, it tastes like a tastes like chicken parmesan used to. So it's I think it's a really nice little substitute. It's not something that I would eat nearly every day or even every week. But uh, if you haven't tried it, go for it. And if you're looking for protein, then you've got it there. There's plenty of it. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. You know, so <laughs> so we've had uh, two Zen Habits mentions this this podcast. Can we go for that? Yeah, we're
1: starting to work them in again. And we got go That's for the hatch- good. Yeah, <laughs> no. it's um, good.
0: Uh, what do you, what do you think about? So this is kind of going back to to tofu, but um, recently. I don't, know, I don't know how recently, but sometimes, from now and then, we add silken tofu to our to our smoothies, uh-huh. and it creates a really good, really good, smooth, rich smoothie. you ever done that?
1: I don't think I have ever done that. I've certainly used silken tofu, or I've watched my wife use silken tofu, I should say, uh, in baked goods that are turn out delicious, like really, really good icings, and I think it even goes in batters sometimes for hmm. cupcakes and things. Could be wrong about that. Don't quote me on that one. Uh, but... I haven't really ever used it like just just for substance or for. I, I guess you're saying it's not for substance. I mean, you're you're doing it because it tastes creamier or better somehow.
0: It tastes super creamy, right? It's you know it gives the same consistency as a, a bunch of bananas or, or an avocado or something like that. But but it also packs a bunch of calories and and
1: protein and stuff. Um, yeah, I if you like if you're I recently I've only kind of recently learned about the idea of adding beans to smoothies. Oh. Uh, from I think it was veganmuscleandfitness.com. Um, they had a smoothie recipe there that involves a bunch of beans and Robert Cheek's new book, but and he does, does vegan bodybuilding and fitness, but his newer book, uh, shredded had some bean smoothie recipes in there. I mean, there's all the other stuff, a normal smoothie, but then you add a bunch of beans in to get the protein and the calories. I would, to me somehow the idea of adding white beans to my smoothie <laughs> is almost enough to make me like puke. It just, it just sounds terrible. Yeah. Um, but when I think about adding silken tofu, that, that seems totally doable and uh so that that's a good idea so if i ever get back into a weight gain type of phase that would be a good a good trick to have in the bag
0: we went to this this smoothie cooking class in dc (laughs) several years ago um and you know we basically just went through five or six different unique smoothie recipes they were you know completely non-traditional and uh and that's where i learned about the the silken tofu
1: how did you find yourself in a in a smoothie class? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, um, just saw a flyer and said,
0: I, "I think Katie saw a flyer, maybe maybe at the yoga studio or something." And somehow it was
1: a Tuesday night, and it was in a cooking class. Like yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you learned some. So have you you put those those recipes to use? We have. We put several
0: of them to use. Um, one of my favorites during the winter is this. Um, pumpkin pie smoothie yeah which has like pumpkin puree and, and i don't even know all kinds of spices and stuff like that so you know these aren't necessarily the healthiest smoothie smoothies They're not you know just green great. smoothies sure. but you, you know but they're kind of unique ways to to have a smoothie and, and they were good they were really great wow
1: all right good learn something new every day i did not know that there were smoothie cooking classes <laughs> that's my they be ever the had like their own, their own blender set up and everything and you got to yeah yeah we, we had like own... tables with
0: blenders and they had all the ingredients for us. Wow. That's
1: what you get. the big city living. You That's right. You get all those nice experiences. <laughs> That's right. All right. Um, I mean, there's more to say about protein, but I don't know what it is. I'm sure people would have questions and, and objections to this, but uh, this we've hit all the protein topics that I can imagine talking about in one day. You got anything else?
0: I don't think so. I think... I think that's it. So hopefully, yeah. oh, you, know,
1: you know what we didn't mention? We didn't mention the dangers of too much protein. That's another good argument. When people ask about how much or, or where do you get your protein, to actually sort of turn it around and say that, you know, that, that too much protein is actually really dangerous, um, I think is, is kind of a valuable thing. Like T. Colin Campbell, who, he recommends in his newest book, Whole, he recommends actually an AD1010 diet, not with the raw implications, but just 80% carbohydrate, 10% protein, 10% fat. And that's because in, in all his stuff, all his research, it looks like what he's kinda of determined is the problem is animal protein. It's not so much animal fats. He definitely is is a low fat advocate. But uh I was looking on the on the holistic holiday at Sea Cruise he did a presentation and it, it showed me some studies that had, had basically determined that this this high fat diet, I don't know, this was probably a couple decades ago, but that a high fat diet was linked to all these cancers. And they did some more work on it and, and dug deeper and what they actually found was that the high fat diet was the the animal product rich diet and i don't know what else they did what other maneuvers were required but they somehow isolated and figured out that it actually wasn't the high fat diet it was the high animal protein diet that was causing the that was these links to cancers uh so so there are a lot of the vegan doctors who who really do believe that animal protein is the problem and as we heard from dr Furman, who i mentioned a few minutes ago uh he he's saying that what it is about the animal protein in particular might be that it's that it's complete protein and that it really does pack a lot of it in there so it's not the popular way of thinking, but it it very well could be that that protein that that much protein is the problem uh, or is a large part of the problem of the the heart disease and cancers that we're seeing on the rise. Uh, among – I mean there are other – there, there are kidney things. There are issues of it being difficult for your body to flush out the what, the nitrogen or something that happens when, when protein is processed and I don't fully understand how that all works. But uh, I don't know. I think it, it's worth knowing that, that it's not it's not just eat unlimited protein and you'll be fine and that that's the goal, which is kind of unfortunately what a lot of people seem to think because the protein is mainly what you want and, and then everything else is kind of a, a divergence from, from what you should be doing, which is focusing on the protein. Right. And so,
0: you know, you've mentioned a ton of books here today and we're gonna to link to all those in the show notes. So if you want to do some further reading on any of this stuff, there uh, you go. Head to the website.
1: All right. Sounds good. All right. Well I'm glad we got the protein episode in, two or three or four years after Nomad Athlete Radio was born. Um <laughs> hopefully people will uh will find it useful. This is gonna many, solve the
0: problem, right? No one's ever gonna ask where yeah, we get a protein. Yeah,
1: I, I yeah, this this should do it and that that joke will, will no longer be around. So all right, good. This this is the definitive answer to where you get your protein. <laughs> like all our podcasts, the definitive the answer definitive to answer. The yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, that's what we do here is create definitive answers. Does all that right,
0: Matt, are you going to an Orioles game while you're up in Baltimore?
1: You know what? I went to an Orioles game two nights ago, and I'm going to another one tomorrow. Oh, great! Did and Oriole, Oriole Park, they did win. And Oriole Park sells uh, field roast. Hot dogs and field rose hamburgers now. There you go. I had a field rose hot dog that was terrible. It was the worst hot dog I've ever had in my life. Oh, no. Uh, I, think it, I think it must have been on that little rotating. You know how like in 7-Eleven they had the rotating spit that has the hot dogs turning and yep. gleaming? Uh-huh. I think it was on there for like six hours because it, uh. it tasted like shoe leather consistency. Uh. Uh, so that wasn't so good. But I was <laughs> still appreciative that they offered a vegan option. And apparently the, the field rose hamburgers are really good. Um, but I haven't tried those yet.
0: Are they I, are I, they soy based? Do you know
1: what what? They're? I don't know. I was wondering that exact thing. I don't know because you don't really see many wheat gluten or or seitan based burgers. Right. But I don't really know why not. So I, everything I've seen from Field Roast has been mainly glut or mainly uh, seitan. So I'm guessing that the, that these burgers are as well. But I don't know for sure. But I will find out tomorrow when I go to the game. All right. Well, so look for me Friday night third base side. <laughs> watch the oil game everyone this right. we'll do it we'll do it all right all right take care man all right see you soon